Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Today, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Uh, I, I build on what Dr. Eschelbach brought up last week and knocked it out of the park uh, with the, the word in. It's all about location, location, location. It strikes me that in is a very small word. And that's not what I'm used to when I'm teaching New Testament because I always ask my students to do 50 cent definitions of the big kind of uh, church words that we use because after all, there are big words and there are small words and some of the big words we're used to like righteousness, being right before God, the relationship that we have. God righteousness, Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. Righteousness, a happy word, except in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. It turns out righteous is not good news, especially when I'm a sinner in need of his holiness, what he gives me, God's work, sanctification. Is that five syllables, six? It might be a prime number, I don't know. But it's big, right? A lot of etymology goes on with these words. Is we, we don't usually use these in common parlance, in normal conversation every day. We're used to other normal words like 12 and taco and things like this. But sanctification, these are words that you use when you're doing uh, uh, theology. Unless you're in 1611, <laughs> 17th century, 1611 straight to heaven, the King James Version of the Bible uses words like loving kindness for that wonderful Hebrew word chesed. Everybody say chesed. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? You get a nice guttural sound and a two-syllable word that in uh, modern English of the 17th century, we have to say loving kindness. And then uh, the, the King James Version will even use words like covenant breakers in Romans chapter 1, verse 31. One of the longest English words in any translation of the Bible. But English has nothing on what we have from other languages like the Greek New Testament. Check this out. Pro-ke-ke-ro-tone-menois, everybody. Pro-ke-ke-ro-tone-menois. That's from Acts chapter 10. It means to those who were chosen beforehand, Peter talking about uh, how we get to eat uh, all kinds of things because what the Lord has created to call no thing unclean, and he's revealed this to those chosen beforehand. Um, Hebrew also has some pretty funky words. Mephibosheth is a name that you might want to think about when you're thinking about naming your children. Maybe as a middle name, Mephibosheth, the, the club-footed uh, 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 relative of King Saul that David continued to uh, uh, feed at his table, showing the favor of, of David, king of Israel and maybe some other political savviness. And then we've got uh, the longest words, uh, at least transliterated into English. Isaiah chapter 8, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. That's another chaf. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Let's just do it together, huh? Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Isaiah chapter 8, meaning the spoil speeds and the prey hastens. This is the gospel of the Lord, evidently. And then we got Jonath Elem Racho Kim, which is just the tune of Psalm 56. We don't know what it sounded like. Have you ever heard the tune, The Silent Dove of Far Off Places? I don't know. We'll probably sing it to three chords and it'll be fine. All right, so Psalm 56. Jonath Elem Racho Kim. But while there are, are big words in the Bible, there are small ones as well. And this is what Dr. Escherbach was getting at last week when he was talking about location. We are in Christ, and in is such a small little word, in, a preposition. 
in Christ, the most important prepositional phrase of the entire scriptures, in and among. Let's read how Paul deals with it in the continuing argument of Ephesians as we get into Ephesians chapter 2. In and among, look for the in and among in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to broadcast it right there. Oh, and my highlighting showed up. Can we read this together? English Standard Version, let's do it. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That little word in is the trigger here. And you don't see good news in the in. In the past of us and in the present of us, we walk in danger because of the sin that we inherit, because of the sin that we commit, because of the sin that old Adam and old Paul and old CJ still loves to do. The things of the grave. So this is how Paul sets it up. But I'd like you to hear that. That it's not just that you are in there. There's a past tense. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But there's another small word of the Bible. The very next word, and it's the word but. The but of the Bible here is probably the most important piece of Paul's argument. As we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, I want you to know that this is a big but of the Bible. The big buts of the Bible are things that I really like. I like big buts, and I cannot lie. <laughs> you other brothers can't deny Let's read it together. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Say it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. This but is not a piece of the anatomy. This but is an adversative conjunction that says that God flipped it around. And that's something that you couldn't do. And it's something that I couldn't do. But was only affected by a God who died and a man who rose again. In the resurrection of Christ, you rise as well. Made alive together with Christ. And the reason that's good news because you and I could not affect that. God himself is the master of this big but of the Bible. Just as from Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, the righteousness, that big word of the Bible, is not necessarily good news because God is righteous. But I am not. God didn't have to save you. God didn't have to show you his favor, his kindness, his loving kindness, his chesed. God didn't have to do these things. But by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. 
but look for them. As you study the scriptures, as you think about the scriptures, don't just define the big words, but focus on that little word. Because right in the middle there is another big but of the Bible. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, though the law and prophets testified to it. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by his favor, his kindness, his attitude toward you because of Christ's person and Christ's work. His sinless life, his passion, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension to the heavenly places where Christ has given us good news is in the small words of the Bible. As we think about the but, we think also about this in again, in which you were dead. You were dead, blind, dead, enemies of God. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh. But this in, this small word of the Bible, is no longer bad news when Paul continues his argument, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in spite of it, dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by that grace, that favor, that kindness, that attitude that God has as he looks through his Christ-colored lens at you. He sees no longer what you were, but who you are in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up, not only in a new life starting right now, but raised us up in the ascension of Christ, where he is with his hand on the steering wheel, making the world go because Christ is all and in all. You are there with him because you are in Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us now and in the future in Christ. It's a commonplace of the kingdom of this world that we call real estate that location Location, location is what matters. And that's why God delivers good news in Christ with the preposition in. There's a lot of good news ins in the scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word, the word who was with God, the word who was God, the same with God in the beginning, the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among, in us. This is the messenger of the covenant, Jesus Christ, in whom you now delight. And the conclusion of that, Romans chapter 8, there is now no condemnation for you, for you are in Christ Jesus. We used to regard him from a worldly point of view, but we do so no longer because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What's true about the kingdom of real estate 
that what matters is location, 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 is also true of your life in Christ. Location is what matters. Where are you? You are in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God who gave us this ministry of reconciliation. So we plead with you once again, be reconciled to Christ. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a summary from 2 Corinthians about the favor, the grace, the kindness, the attitude that God has for you in Christ. I'm working with Psalm 7 right now, trying to memorize my way through the book of Psalms, and there's this beautiful part at the end of Psalm 7 that talks about how he spreads his favor over us. And I think about it like a blanket, right? He he blesses the righteous and he covers them with favor, with grace, as with a shield. And that's why Paul concludes in this section of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, with what we, we might call your confirmation manifesto. Some of you have this memorized, and if you don't, this is what to memorize in this Bible uh, study and in this week and in your life because here's where it is. I see a couple of you chuckling. This might be your confirmation verse, right, Hannah? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Let's say it together. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This, not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What is that grace? The unmerited, gifted, kindness, favor, attitude of pleasure that God has with you. Because when he sees you, he sees his child. And who's his child? It's Jesus. That means you've become his favorite person when he looks at you. In Christ. In Christ. The most important prepositional phrase you hear in the New Testament. One final corollary to this. We are his workmanship, his poiema, created in Christ Jesus Epi, for, upon, the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's funny, that epi plus a dative there in the Greek language means upon. We usually translate that as purpose, and I got no argument with that one way or the other. I just recognize also that the good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them are done by the only one who could ever do good works in the first place. And that's Jesus Christ. When the Lord looks at you in the eyes of grace, because you are in Christ, he sees not your works, but he sees the works of Christ. And so to conclude, Paul is telling you in Ephesians chapter 2 that you are in Christ, that you abide in Christ. We're talking location. With the added encouragement and inspiration to continue walking in Christ. And there we're talking about his works. Let us pray. From the state of sin, Lord, set me free and move me to a new state, a new life, a new place in which to abide. Your cross has established a border between death and life, Lord Jesus. Move me across that border to dwell in life, to establish my citizenship in you. And while in residence here in this world, grant me the grace to live in the shadow of your cross. In your name we pray.
Amen. God's blessings to you this day and this week. Walk in Christ. Amen.